Hey, welcome to the Extra Podcast. My name's Daniel, and I'm gathered around the table here with Andy Steiger. Good to be here. Greg Harris. Good to be here. And Jeff Bucknam. I'm here. And gentlemen, what an exciting day it is today. It is September 5th. It is Tuesday. It is the day the kids go back to school, the day students yes. go back to class. Ushered my children day. off to school today. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Did they you give your excited. wife a high five after that was over? I did, actually. This is one of those days that people... more of a fist pump. People will either give the high five saying, yes, back at school, these kids, or they'll shed some tears because they're like, ah, oh, I really missed the... I really enjoyed having the kids for the summer. Yeah, no, my, my, my wife would be on the, the enjoyed having the kids for the summer spectrum. Yeah. And you are more fist bumper. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I had a good time with the William. Tris, if you listen, if you're listening, <laughs> Daddy's tired of you. <laughs> he wants you to go. Hey, can away. I just can I just mention something about summer that doesn't often get mentioned? Mm-hmm. I think we probably should just pause for a moment and consider uh, how large Greg's calves are. Um, oh my wow. goodness, dude! I know. Have you noticed that? You know, when short season comes around, <laughs> I'm reminded of how inadequate my calves are in comparison. Greg, do you have big calves? If it's I've been told I have large calves. They are really very big. If you look closely, you Jeff, you can see a moon actually orbiting those. It is true. Yeah, there's dust. You see it right now? You can see it, Jeff. That is pretty impressive. They have their own gravitational pull. It's true. That's and right. he's being sucked in. So, <laughs> a bit. And you're 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 Feeling riding your pull. you're riding your bike a lot more these days too, Greg. So as a result, those calves are just going to grow in their significance. It's true. Okay, can I tell every? I'll tell you guys a story, and I'll tell the listeners a story too. So I was emceeing a few weekends ago in uh, Westcourt. And uh, I was wearing shorts because it was really hot. And I had a dear woman come up to me afterwards and say, it was nice to see you, MC. Also, great calves. <laughs> and I thought, I think I said, thank you. Well, you just said, I know. see you later. Uh, if you're so, listening to this podcast. I think Greg made that part Greg up. I think, he said, I think he said it was more the conversation from what I, what I remember was, you have great calves. I know. I know that. Was I, was your I don't think I first date with your wife very similar to that? Did you wear shorts with the calves? On the first yeah. Day? She was drawn by the calves. <laughs> yeah. That's true. It's really I mean, who isn't? She I just saw him right, I just saw him right now and I want to <laughs> I want to touch those calves. It was a blind date and she's like, "Hey, just show me a picture." And the friend showed the picture of your calf calves. Yeah. Wow. So if you were on like remember that show the Newlywed show? Yeah. And they ask each other questions. Yeah. And one of the questions that was often asked on that was what what is your spouse's best feature what mm. do they think they're best? would the calves be your answer to that greg like you have to write what down sarah your, would you say about me yeah so yeah. if you had to say what oh, would yeah. sarah say about Probably. you yeah she'd say the calves yeah i should also point out i can say this because she doesn't listen to the podcast she says i hear you talk enough uh, <laughs> she's furious because i don't do really anything to make them that way they just are and so God is good. X in the helo out of <laughs> nowhere, out of nothing. They, have, they the always, calves. have they always, they've been always like been this way. And she thinks it's ridiculous because people usually have to work on leg day and stuff. And Greg's like, every day's leg day for, me. for <laughs> The stairs. That's I just right. had to walk. Just go up some stairs. Greg, my favorite moment is I confronted you about this during the summer and you came up to me and you said, you know, Daniel, it's one of those things where no matter what room I enter, I'm confident that I have the largest calves. In the there's room. one. There's one thing I feel like I. Do you can have, have a huge vertical? <laughs> no. So this how's that? Too heavy. I'm, too I'm, heavy. I'm slow. I'm like a very slow runner. I'm not a good jumper. I'm not very good at really anything athletic. Um, but I have large calves. So the these calves are their waist really are 
Andy should have writing them, checks Andy's, that you, they, that your body can't pay. Like really, if Andy had these calves, he'd look more well rounded <laughs> in his physique. And what I should you, have his. What do you trying to say, stick Greg? Legs. So if you just have if you have your calves, true, I got chicken and legs. Andy's like shoulders and chest. You yeah. got like, I mean, you got one full man there. That's right. All right, that's the ideal human being. Look, I, I think I I would trade with Andy for his good. To have these calves, I think he'd put him to better use. He hikes and stuff all the I time. I have a whole head of hair. That's mm. all I can he, offer here. True. Yeah. So really, I, I don't hike. Wow. Hiking. What's look. the point? Oh, look! There's a great view that God also, created. Dude, it's kind of true. All waterfalls kind of look the same. Sorry, gosh. God. I'm just uh, not impressed. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the picture. <laughs> Well, I didn't know we were going to talk about that, but that was thanks. good. I felt well, good about you that. know, it is. It's the end of summer now, so you got to put those bad boys away. It's time it's to pants season. Put away the golden calves. Yeah, and it's fall. And speaking of fall, we have a very <laughs> you like that? <laughs> it's an idol. It's an idol reference. Did you yeah. catch it? I got okay, it. Good. <laughs> I did. Thank you. <laughs> Don't worship those, Andy. It's not going to go well for you. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> What's look. happening on September 10th, Jeff? We should I, let our I listeners think that's, know. I think that's fall kickoff. That's fall kickoff. And yeah, we're going to let our f- listeners know about fall kickoff. Well, if you're at the Mission Campus, there's a Mission Campus fall kickoff. And if you're at the Abbotsford Campus, there's an Abbotsford Campus fall kickoff. That The Abbotsford one's happening, I think, from 2 until 6. And the Mission one's happening from 1 until 4. four. Something like that. That's what I heard. Bouncy castles and games. And I think I got an email the other day. My wife is going to shoot me with paintballs. I was going to say, Jeff, I'm very concerned about this pastoral challenge. Yep. That I believe involves you, myself. (laughs) The biggest spider I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Just came. Jeff is currently stomping the spider. You probably heard that (laughs) loud. Did you get it? Did you hear that sound? He's alive. Oh, God. Oh, he's twitching. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It was huge. Jeff was victorious. This is live radio, guys. This is great radio right here. It's good. Um, fall kickoff. There'll be maybe spiders. Hold on. There is going to be something there, though, that concerns me. The yep. paintballing, Andy. Apparently, our spouses are going to be shooting us with a paintball. With paintballs, yes. I think that that's uh, hmm. that's one of the things that's happening. There'll be other games and assorted. It's sort of entertainment, barbecue. My spouse is out of town, so I might be actually getting to shoot Jonathan Giesbrecht. Oh, that'd be good. I would pay money for that opportunity. Well, <laughs> yeah. It might be what ends up happening. Fundraiser. What Darcy's in charge of it, so idea. I imagine it's going to raise money for missions. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Shoot the pastor, raise a few dollars for the, for the missionary. Take a paintball a for the Lord. Machine gun preacher. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's happening. It should be a good time. It's always a good time. Uh, hot dogs... Served, I think, around four at the mission at the Abbotsford campus. And these are some of the healthiest hot dogs. No, it's the Costco hot dog is what it is. That's right. Oh, they are good. Yeah, these hot dogs are great. And, and I think the mission campus, I think the hot dogs are being served a little earlier. And rumors of samosas, correct, in Abbotsford. Uh, yeah, we always have samosas. So That's come the along. That's way to eat a hot dog. There's no such thing as a free lunch, but this is about as close as you're going to get. So but come people, along. People enjoy. don't have to pay for it, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. I'm going to give out one more Price shout out. Yeah. Uh, Daniel and I are going to be overseeing the beach volleyball we're gonna have a tournament this year mm-hmm. get your team get in there it's gonna be fantastic yeah it'll be a good time it's a great place to mingle spend some time with the kids see some people you know sometimes meet some people you didn't 
a really good time. We're hoping that it doesn't rain. Right now, the weather reports look a little bit dodgy, but we'll be all right. Say no rain thus far. So check the website to make sure that it's actually happening. <clears throat> but yeah, it probably it probably will. Cool. Well, let's get down to business, gentlemen. Mm. Jeff, two weeks ago, you preached on a controversial topic in the evangelical world uh, in that it, you were talking about false teachers and uh, some of the false teaching that we see in the church today. Do Why you do you have, think it's controversial? I have well, my thoughts about that, but is, I, is it... Is it controversial that false teaching happens or is it controversial that, hey, you can't say that that person is a false teacher? I think it's the second of those. Absolutely. I think it's the second, yeah. Most people would agree that, yeah, okay, I'm willing to admit that false teaching is obviously going to happen. Just don't don't name names or don't make it clear that that, uh, that particular kind of thing is a false teaching. So we, we like to understand false teaching in as a concept, but not in particulars. As a culture, uh, we have a difficult time, it seems to me, to say that another person is wrong. Uh, no, I think you're wrong about that. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm kidding. I agree with you. I see what you did <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, you see what I did there. Uh, and it's, it's, inter- it's interesting because it, you, you get this idea that, yeah, we, we need to get along with everyone and part of loving people or getting along with them is you just, you don't, you can't disagree with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the key, right? Is, is now the disagreement, the act of disagreeing is an act of violence towards that person. Mm-hmm. So the, this is actually one of the things that I, here's me being an optimist for a minute. It doesn't happen very often, but here's me being an <laughs> I'm optimist excited about this. It, I, I think that, Christians have an opportunity to demonstrate to a watching world how to disagree with others. Like, not just that we'll disagree over issues, but the tone that we disagree with, um, the the desire to still see the image of God in the other person that we're disagreeing with. I'm not saying we yep. shirk any responsibility of saying that the things are wrong or that someone is teaching falsely or even when we need to, saying that someone is a false teacher, but we keep in mind as Christians, the goal of the call out is the repentance of the other person. So the goal is to, to still to win them over and not just to show how, how much smarter we are than others. So my point is, I think there's room, of course, there's areas where we would disagree and say, no, that, that person needs to be outside the flock and all that kind of stuff. But I think that there's a space now in the church to show to a watching world how to disagree Christianly. I agree with you on that. I, I would only add that I think that there is more than one goal to to dealing with false teaching. Mm. One of them is certainly aimed at the false teacher themselves or the person who you think is false teaching. Uh, you want their repentance. You want them to come to a better under, better understanding. I think about Priscilla and Aquila and Apollos in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Apollos is saying some things that he doesn't, maybe are a little bit off. Priscilla and Aquila pull him aside, instruct him, mm-hmm. right? I think that, mm-hmm. that that's a good example of, uh, you know, a win. Right. Um, I, I think the other thing, though, the other goal ought to be the, for the good of the church. Right. For so, sure. So there needs to be a focus on uh, people in the church mm-hmm. who are actually uh, falling prey to the false teaching. See, I think I think if you if you miss um, if if you uh, 
don't understand both of those goals and hold them equally in your mind, you're going to fall off at one point or another. Because right. if you if you're only focused on confronting the false, speaking of the false teacher, you're you're going to be in some cases not as forthright mm-hmm. as you need to be, mm-hmm. because you're always it's always a persuasion mm-hmm. type winsome sort of thing. And at some points, there needs to be, as Paul does in Galatians, a line in the sand that says, listen, if you if you believe what these false teachers are saying, uh, you, you're going to be accursed. Right. And, and one of the challenges, though, that we've had, Jeff, is that often in the church, what we'll do is we'll address the doctrine that's being you know, that, that, that is uh, erroneous, and we'll, we'll just deal with that but it so often we'll talk about a doctrine and be like, listen, this doctrine is wrong that's being taught. You shouldn't believe it. And then we'll go and talk with somebody after the service and they'll tell us about so-and-so that they've been listening to that they just love. And you're like, yeah, that person teaches that doctrine. Yeah, so this is a challenge. We, we're, we should get into, you know, should, should, should you name names and things like that in a second. My, my other, the other side of the coin, though, that mm-hmm. I was just trying to to identify is that look if you if all you focus on though is protecting the church and not focusing on the repentance of the false teacher you can become too hard Mm -hmm. you can be too like line in the sandy and nothing that the no equivocation or no uh give in the person who's Mm -hmm. doing the false teaching is enough for you to engage in dialogue because all you do is see them as a threat to the church well and in some cases they are it's very difficult to hold to, you know what I mean? That's a very difficult tension to hold. Mm. That on the one hand, you, you need to be forthright enough to draw the line in the sand, and yet at the same time, engaging mm. and persuasive enough to keep your mind that your goal is actually to see the false teacher repent and mm-hmm. believe. And I, that's really hard to do. So I agree with you, Greg, what you said, that this is a great place for the Christian church to to embody that. Uh, the challenge, of course, is that you you probably will fall off one, one of the ways or the for other. For sure, for sure. I have a question kind of regarding to that. So if you sit, say the average congregant who sits under the teaching of a false teacher, we'd say in this hypothetical, mm-hmm. uh, the question that was sent in was this, do people who follow fa- false teachers end up in hell? Yeah. And okay, so then does bad theology slash doctrine send you to hell? Yeah. And why? Well, so let's not just, but but let's be clear about what kinds of bad Theology and doctrine would send you to hell. Uh, the rejection of Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the only God. Hmm. For, okay? Like First Corinthians three is a helpful, I think, framework for the conversation. I would think, right? Where there's a yep. different kind of false teaching that found the foundation of the gospel stays the same, but you're building with wonky doctrine. Yep. And then there's other false teaching that so changes the foundation of of the of Christian belief that it's no longer a Christian building it's a completely different thing right and we, so so I, I, but, but the I mean all I'm trying to do here is interact with the, the, that question because yeah, yeah. that's a very popular viewpoint well I mean and there have been those who've come along and said well Jesus God's not going to crack open your skull and to see if there are right beliefs in your head when you get to heaven uh, actually y- you have passages that say that you know, the warning from Paul to Timothy saying, watch your life and doctrine closely for it will save yourself and your hearers. Mm-hmm. So if, if you think that bad doctrine doesn't affect people, then I just don't understand how you're going to make sense of that text. And honestly, why is it that Paul is so adamant to protect people from false teaching if the doctrine itself yeah. is is not 
the kind of thing that could lead you astray. But and in his day, it was the belief that the resurrection had already happened or something like that. And he saw that as a core core teaching that needs to be fought against at, right. because it's putting people at risk of of not receiving the reward. Right. And I think we've, in some ways, we've sanitized and Christianized this language of wolf. Um, like the imagery there of a wolf among sh- sheep is startling in its destruction, right? It's not a, it's not a pretty image. It's not just that like, oh, they kind of stand out and they're not quite like all the same. That's too bad. No, actually the, like the wolf will annihilate the flock. Ravenous if, wolves. If you allow the, the wolf to do that. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out how, how, again, like you said, it doesn't make sense of that first or of that Timothy text, but it also doesn't make sense of the the language of wolf and the destructive nature of the wolves. Can I jump in here? Uh, I want to throw a caveat in there or maybe a, a challenge to kind of press this, though, because if somebody were to ask me if hell is a doctrinal exam, I'm going to say, no, it's not. But at the same time, what I'm going to say, though, and I think that Paul makes this point in Galatians, is that, listen, it, do, false doctrine is going to take you to the wrong place. I, like this, I think this is one of the things we're getting at with mm-hmm. First Corinthians. What kind of foundation are we talking about here? Is it a foundation built on Jesus Christ? Uh, or is this like um, a Jehovah's Witness foundation yeah, where— Those are doctrines, though. Yeah. yeah. And the, the question I always think is, okay, which Jesus are you now following? So that— there are some doctrines that are more central than others, and what we're saying is that the cent- those central doctrines need to be right. Right, right. And, so and I guess I baptize, what I'm pressing is because it's going to lead you to the right place. When you say the right place, what do you mean? I, See, Jesus I think, Christ. I think that I think that the rejection of of certain doctrine, right, core doctrine, uh, is is the wrong place. Uh, the, the, there are certain things we you should believe or mm-hmm. or not re, not outright reject. Okay, I I don't expect you to know the intricacies of the Trinity, but I do expect you as a Christian to affirm it. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah. so if you end up saying, nah, I don't know. I don't know if I believe in the Trinity or I don't believe, really know if I believe that Jesus is, is fully God and fully, fully man. I, let's see. I'm, I'm going to say, well, look, those, those are what we call heterodox beliefs. They're not orthodox. They're heterodox. The nature of God, you're, you're worshiping a different God now. But Jeff, wouldn't you, don't you agree? So I'm not worried about the lifestyle, even though the lifestyle of somebody who holds those beliefs about God that are, that are wrong will end up looking different. They all, all doctrine has its outplay in, do you know what I mean? In, in action. Yeah. That's where it gets muddy to me. But I'm saying that the doctrine itself, you say hell's not going to be a doctrinal exam. Agreed to some, to some degree, there are going to be some core beliefs that you, that you have to affirm about who Jesus is. That's why we, when I baptize somebody... I ask them doctrinal questions. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the only God? No. Yep. Right? Born of the Virgin Mary. Like we have, we have creeds that we affirm as Christians that, again, you don't need to fully understand every line and be able to give a, you know, like a detailed doctrinal analysis of each one, but you shouldn't be rejecting them. And this is where I think understanding what sin is is important into this conversation. Sin is rebellion. And one of the ways that we could talk about sin. And and this is where things get complicated then, right? Because there are people that want to be persuaded by false teachers, right? Because they're teaching something that perhaps they want to believe or that fits along with with what they like. I mean, that's where I I think sometimes to say that somebody is just simply naive and is just swept by 
into some false teaching. I mean, that that does happen, but there is this rebellion in people. There's sin taking place in people that's at the same time taking place, yeah. both in the false teacher and the one that's oh, believing I understand the false what you're, teaching. Uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying, that, yeah, sometimes it, it, it is their desire because you're trying to fight back against the idea that the false teacher is the only one to be blamed mm. as opposed to the other person. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think, though, that it's difficult for people to say, well, all of these people who are following this false teacher are actually their their spiritual life is at th- at threat. When I actually think that if you read through scriptures, that's that's precisely the that's the precisely the danger. So on that though, Jeff, I always get the the thing where people will say, "Yeah, but maybe there's a false teacher, but God's doing good work in that church, is He not?" Listen, there there are you can give me lots and I can give you well I can give you lots and lots of examples of places where God is using very very flawed people things whatever to achieve achieve ends i mean even i'm thinking about matthew 7 where where you have these people saying these false teachers saying lord lord didn't we do mighty works in your name didn't we you know cast out demons in your name and jesus says depart from me i never knew you i just think about that text for a minute right what were they doing like if i were someone who was demon possessed and that guy cast the demon out of me i would have thought that's a pretty good thing he did and yet here's a guy who's not a christian at all so I'm I'm saying that God can do amazing things through all sorts of flawed, you know, Balaam spoke a tooth-eyed donkey. God uses all sorts of things, but that doesn't mean that that tacitly approves of the thing he's using. Do you, do you see what I mean? Like God can speak to Saul through the witch vendor. That doesn't mean that you should go and see your local medium to try to find out the will of God or Gideon puts out a fleece. That doesn't mean you should put out a, a you know, a, a fleece trying to do divination in order to learn what God's will is. But the fact that God uses those things is more a sign of God's grace than it is a sign of his approval of the thing itself. And likewise, I think God can use all sorts of people. I know people who came to, I came to faith in Christ through my sister who doesn't believe a lick of it today. So you explain that to me. How, how did God in his providence use an unbelieving uh, girl who's not going to persevere in the faith to proclaim the gospel to a little her, her little brother who ends up becoming a pastor later on. So it just, I think tends to give support to my point. God can use lots of crooked things to do lots of straight stuff. Dead air. I think we, we really exhausted. That, that was good though. That was a good run. Here's a, here's a question oh, then that was, go ahead. Can I just jump in there real quick on a, on a side note? So, there is this challenge. I wanted to bring up what I had brought up earlier. There is this challenge, you know, how, how do we approach this in a graceful, you know, God-honoring way when oftentimes there's names involved, right? So like this summer I preached uh, a sermon when I, I talked about church and about whether or not you need to go to church. And I started off what, by quoting. What was, your, what was your belief on that? Well, Did I you preached said, it at the church though? Yeah, and I, I just said and it you depends upon it? who's preaching that yeah. Sunday. So, uh, <laughs> so the but I started off by quoting a well-known writer uh, that wrote a wrote a blog about why he doesn't go to church. Mm. Now, in that particular instance, I felt that it would be distracting to tell who that individual was because mm. I didn't care that you knew who that was. I wanted you to understand their argument of why they didn't go to church, and I wanted to talk about that. But I can't help but wonder if there's other times hmm. where, because I, I just, I've been here long enough at Northview to see how we've talked on doctrine over and over again, and then to still find people telling me about how they follow so-and-so, hmm. 
that that teaches that doctrine that that we've been telling you is false doctrine for two years now. Hmm. Uh, where I just can't help but wonder if there does come this time where you've just got to let people know. Listen, I'm talking about so and so. So in the early church, the apostle Paul has an is he's writing that with the pastoral epistles, first and second Timothy and and um, Titus. And in those in those letters, he's actually writing. Uh, they're kind of the last ones that he writes in his life. And he's writing to Timothy, his protege, and then Titus as well. And he's trying to warn, especially Timothy, who's a pastor in Ephesus, to, to fight basically against the false teachers in, in his setting. Come on, Timothy, you got to fight back against these guys. In this letter, which is written to Timothy, but was likely intended to be read out loud to the church, he names Hymenaeus and, and Alexander, or Philetus in another set, setting. Hymenaeus, Philetus, Hymenaeus, Alexander. And he basically s- says that they've shipwrecked their faith, these guys, because they believe that the resurrection has already happened. So here's, here's, here's some name naming. <laughs> and I, I can't help but think that the reason Paul does this is to out them, is to show that they are who they are and what they've done. It's not a private correspondence he's having with Timothy at this point. It's meant to be read out loud to the church so that people know. And the way he describes some of the false teaching there, he says that they're the kind who worm their way into to people's ho- women's houses and, you know, get help weak, you know, have followers who are weak-willed women who are given over all sorts of desires. My my point is he's worried about the people of the church being pulled aside to these by these false teachers so he names their names. So at least at that point, you have an example in Scripture of, of, of a pastor, in this case, naming names because there is an imminent threat to his community. Mm-hmm. The challenge that we face in the modern world is because of the advent of the Internet and because of so much teaching happens outside the purview of the pastor of the local church, it is very difficult for us to, to know who to name. Because there's so there's so many mm-hmm. uh, folks who are saying things that are just blatantly false. So it, you have to almost make the decision: okay, is this for is this an imminent threat to the people of my church? It's fascinating to me, by the way, with this being the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, that it was false teaching in Luther's parish that this church that he was pastoring by a guy named the name of Tetzel, teaching indulgences that. He finally got to a place where he said, listen, I've got to address this issue because I see what it's doing to my people, and and they're not taking sin seriously, yeah. and I'm worried about their souls, yeah. right? And this is ultimately leads to the Reformation. Yeah. So I, I think there's a real danger in some churches having pastors who become, uh, you know, they're just heresy hunters. That's what they want to do, and all they end up doing is attacking everyone that they think is is wrong, and then there's very little... In some cases, some people who are involved in what they call discernment ministry have very little nuance in their understanding. So they lump they lump Andy Stanley together with uh, mm-hmm. with, with Robert Tilton, mm-hmm. uh, who is a, you know is a known false teacher, Robert Tilton. And Andy Stanley is a good Christian brother who you might not agree with his approach to church or sometimes what he has to say, but he is a faithful brother in Christ who will have to answer for God for how he builds on the foundation, right? Like all of us will, so I, I that's difficult. There's so don't you think that part of that figuring out it, it really is the the degree of what's being taught. I mean, that for example, with mine, that's the reason I didn't mention the guy because I think that his books are still very helpful, and I still think he's a brother in Christ. I just think he's wrong on this issue, and I want to take that 
issued a task. But mm. there are other degrees. That's why I have no problems naming stuff like Charles Russell with the Jehovah's Witnesses or Joseph Smith with the Mormons. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all those ones are easy, right? But it's when we start getting mm. into those more gray areas, like what do I do? It, de- it depends on how foundational a false teaching is. Exactly. That's my thing. Greg was mentioning that a minute ago. It's like, what does it have to do? With, how close does it get to the gospel? Does it change our view of God so that it is an unbiblical view? So that what you're doing in the end is the people who are being taught that are actually worshiping a false idol like a golden calf. So I want to ask this question then. Uh, recently in the news, the Nashville Statement, right? In the Christian internet world, the Nashville Statement was released. Nashville have, Statement. The Nashville, yeah. What yep. did I say? Nashville. Uh, the Nashville statement was released, and that's people have been arguing back and forth about that. Is that an issue? That Greg, what's the Nashville statement? Uh, the Nashville statement was uh, a document drafted primarily by the Council of Biblical uh, Manhood and Womanhood, and um, led by Denny Bo- Denny Burke, Burke, who yeah, he came to the Apologetics Conference a few years ago. Yeah, um, the statement is essentially a. Um, articulating of Christian belief about sexuality and how should we view it's, it's making a statement uh, about what Christians should view regarding sexuality. They have, I think it's 14 articles, things that they affirm and deny about human sexuality. Um, And it is caused a stir in the corner of the Twitterverse known as Christian evangelicalism, whatever you want to call it, but it's, it's created a stir. A lot of the people who signed it, um, are, are people that you would probably know and recognize and appreciate their books and their, their ministries. Um, and there are lots of people who, who didn't sign it because they felt like the, the content was just wrong. So So there's, well, I just want to make clear, though, there's a distinction that should be made here in the critiques that come about the content of this yeah, document and sure. the critiques that come about the process for its formation or the or, or its tone or whatever. You see the difference there? It's the it's the content. We can argue about tone and, and process all we want, which is fair. And what would you include and what do you not include in right. that conversation? Right. That's all that's all fair. And that those are all insider tweaks. Yeah. The question that's really at heart here regarding false, you know, we're interacting with language, this stuff about false teaching is, okay, can you be a Christian? Can you be a Christian and uh, be, a, be actively uh, unrepentant in a transgendered lifestyle or a homosexual lifestyle or a lesbian lifestyle? Or, and add to that, an affirming Lifestyle. So maybe you're heterosexual, but you are affirming of others. So that's what this document is trying to do. And the questions that arise here, okay, it, is this part of the core doctrine of the Christian church? And that's a challenge. This is a challenging because it doesn't have to do with the gospel. And of course, there are some who are making that argument, in fact, strongly making that argument. Albert Mullen and others are arguing, no, it's mm. absolutely central to Christian church, so it's right to use words like heretic mm. to describe this. And others are saying, well, that's not a word that we should be using mm. to describe this, right? I know some people, too, um, are upset with the, the timing of it. 
They feel like it's it, they may agree with what's being said there, but they feel that it was ill timed. Right. What do you, What are you guys' thoughts on that? I what mean, do, what is there mean, ever a good time? What do they mean by that? Well, I think I think here is the critique that, in light of all that's going around in the states, in particular, that those days that the the document was released was when Houston was being hit the hardest by the flooding and and the the racial tensions are are high in the in the states culturally and so the question was why not address in that moment in history something more regarding um, racial tensions or could couldn't we do this though could, could, how I'm trying I struggle with that as a critique. And the reason I struggle with it as a critique is because we can we can play this game forever. Yep. You know why didn't why didn't you address this other more pressing issue or more important issue to me, as opposed to this one that doesn't seem as important to me? Mm-hmm. Like ev- everybody could do that. I d- I don't think that that repudiates the 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 thing itself. It's, it didn't right. go out. I don't think the people got together and thought what's the most important issue of our day that we can talk about. What they did is say. Look, it seems like the Christian church is struggling with this particular doctrine. We should write down some stuff, affirmations and denials that we think are clearly stated and that people can rally around to say, no, this mm-hmm. is what faithful Christian teaching is on, you know, sexual orientation and gender identity. And I know that Denny Burke has been working on this for years. It's not like he's like, oh, all of a sudden, like, hey, let's do this. Well, and even the timing of it, they they intentionally decided to draft the document, finalize the draft of the document after the um, Ethics and Religious Liberties Council had their Southern had Baptist. their annual um, convention. They decided to have this kind of Nashville statement meeting after that convention, so they could finalize it. And the meeting was in Nashville, and so they released a statement. That's why it's, called, so the that's why it's called the Nashville. There's statement. a history to naming uh, doctrinal statements or or creeds or whatever around the place they were the Chicago statement on biblical inerrancy uh Nicaea the, creed. the Manhattan declaration there's mm-hmm. like there's Nicene creed you, they're all based at Constantinople Which, by the way the mayor of Nashville was not pleased right of course she's not uh ups- she's she's upset about that because how dare you tie my city's name to whatever but at the same time she doesn't own the name of the city of Nashville either um but there, the questions that it raises uh, are important questions for the church to, to deal with. Whether you agree with the content or not, the question that you have to answer, ask yourself is, okay, if I, if, I, if I agree with the content, okay, then those who disagree are what? Uh, fellow, Sorry, rephrase fe- it. Those who, okay, if I agree with the content, but if those who disagree with mm-hmm. the content are, are what? What I mean by that is... is are they heretics or are they just misguided Christians? Are they what there'll be people who want to punt? Well, it's not for me to decide. Yeah, but the kind of what that's what an, that's what a doctrinal statement does. Mm-hmm. Is it, does this rise to the level of uh, Trinity? And this is where the national statement actually made it clear in the statement to say that they, they deny that people can agree to disagree on this issue that, that, and by this issue, I mean the affirmation as a good and holy thing, monogamous same sex relations. Um, they, they say we, we can't just say, Hey, you know what? You go on ahead and affirm as holy and good and part of God's good design 
monogamous same-sex relations and we'll we'll do the opposite. That's fine. We'll just agree to disagree. This statement actually says, no, there's not actually room Hmm. in proper Christian thinking and doctrine for that kind of agree to disagree. So they are in essence... They are in essence arguing that the Mennonite Church of Canada is apostate for their stance. Yeah. So just, even though there are some churches in the Mennonite Church of Canada that don't affirm that kind of thing, the idea that the church itself as a whole says, well, we can agree to disagree. They're saying that yeah. right there is just as bad as affirmation. Yeah. And just a, a context for the listeners uh, uh, recently, the Mennonite Church of Canada, so not the Mennonite Brethren Church, but the Mennonite Church of Canada. Uh, at a recent convention, they uh, nuanced their bylaws as a denomination to say that the the view of monogamous same-sex relations, uh, you could have different opinions on whether it's good or sinful uh, per congregation. Mm-hmm. So in the city of Abbotsford, you could have multiple congregations who are connected with this denomination, and one church on X part of town might say, Monogamous same-sex relationships are a holy, good, God-given thing. And another church at Y part of town could say, no monogamous same-sex relationships sinful. are sinful. And they said, no but, big deal. No, no, no breakage Agree of to communion. disagree. There's no issue in terms of right. they denominational union. Basically, say it's the same thing as disagreeing about eschatology, you know, premillennial, right. amillennial, whatever. It's not... So the... the what I like about the fact that they put the statement out actually is it is it is a flashpoint talking point and it actually provides some sort of like okay let's talk about it then let's 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 come to some conclusions and I, my hope is that the church actually does come to some conclusions on this. I think we're going to need to like with what's going on in our culture, particularly here in Abbotsford. I mean, we've seen this happening in Ontario for a while, where the school systems are now um, making the the discussions of homosexuality and transgender and you know the you know sexual orientation and gender identity is the way you. that they phrase this it's SOGI is kind of the acronym that they're using to talk about the the stuff that's being taught in schools and that there's a mandated curriculum that is supposed to be taught about sexual orientation and gender identity that is actually alien to the Christian worldview yeah and so, that is now part of our right, student so curriculum. The, well, the official statements from the government are that you you need to teach that gender is fluid, which which is not what the Christian Church has historical historically believed. And one of the things I'm seeing is uh, with my my kids, their their parents. These are now discussions, and and I'm specifically thinking of Christian families, where are now discussing this issue, and I can tell that there is a lot of confusion out there, and there is definitely, I, I think, need for a document like this to start drawing some lines in the sand, or at least start to express that uh, what Christian, because one of the things that the document does is is it, it explicitly expresses what Christians believe. It's not all about what we don't believe. It's what we, in fact, do believe. And I think that that's an... It does both. There's a, well, no, I, I'm saying it deny. does. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It does both. Mm. It's not just denying. It's affirming. Right. 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 Yeah, yeah. And and I think that, that there's there's a lot of need for that right now. Mm. Agreed. What's weird about it is, of course, getting back to the false teaching discussion that we were having, look, what's weird about it is it really has displayed... The, re- the reaction to the, to the uh, Nashville statement has 
really displayed the disunity of the Christian church mm-hmm. and how if you scratch a little bit below the surface, what you've got is this weird collection of people who mm-hmm. I think would affirm that they all have some warm feeling about Jesus mm. and think Billy Graham's pretty cool. But beyond that, I don't think, I honestly don't think, and they believe in confer- conversionism. They do. They, I think every one of them believes that you, you should be converted yeah. in some ways, but as far as doctrine goes or a- agreement on it, there, it's just not, there yeah. is none. I want to press that because I think it goes deeper than we think it does, especially if there's any pastors listening to this. I'm amazed at how often we've spoken on these issues at Northview, but when you get on a one-on-one conversation with somebody, they're a lot more confused on this issue than they would, than they would admit where they may have heard us speaking on these things, but they they're they're still they can be in our church and still be quite undecided mm-hmm. where they where they sit. Well, I think that's I issue. think that's the case with a lot of churches. Yeah, I mean, I know, that's I what mean, I'm, yeah, that's I mean, what I'm North saying. You included it, lots and lots and lots of folks who have hmm. different viewpoints on it. Yeah. And and one of the things that I'm finding as I, I was just having a conversation recently with somebody about this, and they were saying, well, it's difficult to know what to think because I there's these different TV shows that I watch, and there's these gay characters in those TV shows, and I really like those characters, and I really relate with them. And and particular this person was telling me about how there's this gay couple in a TV show trying to adopt a child, and they really they're like they're they're confi- they're, they're, they're conflicted. Rooting, they're rooting for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're finding themselves rooting for them, and so they're they're they're. At a loss on how to think on these issues, with a culture that's telling them one thing, the church is telling them something other, and uh, and and they're emotionally invested in this, even if they don't even know somebody that's gay. It just could be from the TV shows they're watching. Yeah, and I do want to reiterate something that we've said in the past. Like this conversation is is about right belief and right behavior, but it's not about uh, adopting a viewpoint of saying because people are gay or are transgender that gives me the right and actually the need to now treat these people as less than that what i don't want anyone who's listening to us who are hearing us try to maintain the historic christian view of this use our words as ammunition for their hatred towards other people because it's a it's a hard slope for some to avoid that what we're trying to do is say true things that lead to flourishing for everybody Mm -hmm. and and so the goal is the flourishment of the other, not the patting ourselves on the back because we felt now somewhat justified in talking down about how dirty or ugly or disgusting that person is because they have a different viewpoint on this than, than we do. So, And don't you see that going on, though, on the news a lot right now with how people want to paint the right or the left and how easy it is to, to dehumanize them? Right, exactly. Um, it's like if you don't if you don't agree with us in affirming same sex marriage, then you hate everyone. And if you are, and you'll be vilified, yeah, and vice versa. And then the other side's like if yeah, vice versa. So again, let me trumpet the or blow the trumpet of of let's let's be strident in our convictions, and yet let's be really kind in the way that we do so, so that we don't give the misunderstanding that we actually hate or denigrate the person we disagree with. hundred percent. Jeff, do you want to give us a last word here? I see. I don't know. I, I just looking at the Nashville statement, I actually, th- I, I think it was one of the comments that though, by some of the framers of it that said they made the point that Greg was just making. I thought they had included it in the statement itself, but one of the points that they were trying to make is that, look, we, our fear is that we're going to be heard as people who are giving justification to, the crazies out there to somehow say, well, that means because you believe this, you need to be 
bashed, which by the way, has always been one of the dangers of the church when they have outed false teachers. Okay. On both sides, if you could read your church history, one of the things that happened during the day, the days where there was a fight between the Arian and Orthodox Christians, Athanasius was an Orthodox bishop and Arius was a, not one. He believed that Jesus was a created being, but every time the political winds change. So if an Arian got into the authority as the, as the, the, um, emperor, then all of the Athanasian, all of the Orthodox believers would get kicked out and like beaten and injured, like terrible stuff. And to the flip side, same thing happened. The Arians would get beaten and whatever when there was an Orthodox guy. So political might met together with the doctrinal stuff and it created this just wicked storm of oppression mm. in both cases. And, you know, we when you really think about the well, heaven and hell is in the balance here, you can see why people are so incensed about this sort of thing. And yet that's the thing, right? That's the thing that is angry as you might get against mm-hmm. about false teaching. The, the way we approach this is with gentleness and respect, right? Mm-hmm. Not by, not by fighting or by shooting or getting engaged in some culture war. We don't use terms like that, that, because we're not at war with the, you know, we're, we're, we're at war with the devil and his minions uh, and with the teaching itself, but not the people who are doing it. And this is, again, this is a tension that's really difficult to hold. And yet at the same time, it's one we must hold mm. if we're going to actually be faithful believers in the present age. Yeah. Confront false teaching and love your enemies are two truths that can be friends mm. and stand beside each other. Mm. Amen. So let's strive to do that as a church. And as fellow believers, uh, that is the end of this podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, We hope this is helpful to you. If you have any questions, feel free to email extra at northview.org. We're going to try and answer those. Make sure to like us on Facebook as well. Uh, We'll try and interact with you on there. And finally, we hope to see you at fall kickoff. It would be great. Come say hi. Tell us how much you love the podcast or how much you don't love the podcast, but hopefully the first one. We will see you guys next week.